Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Well, hey, good morning, Connect Church. Let's thank our team for leading us out today. Man, how many of you guys are thankful for an extra hour? I mean, I could cry thinking about it. Just so grateful. A little extra time today and uh, really just the chance again every Sunday to make much of Jesus with you and, uh, and to do that together, to do everything we can to connect everyone we can with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're just so glad uh, that we get to do that today. Now, we're coming off a week in John chapter 13 where we talked about uh, getting our hands dirty in ministry and washing feet. And so I thought it'd be good just maybe today just to laugh a little together. Take a look at the screens if you would. One of my favorite comedians right here. There's a lot of hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. People come in on Sunday. How you doing? Nice to see you all. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. You're going to love it here. We just love people. You can just be yourself. You can just be yourself. We don't care. We don't judge you. We just love. You sit back and whatever questions you have, you let us know. We'll let you know whatever we can do for you, okay? Y'all newly married? You got four kids? Four kids. That is amazing. God love you. We love kids here. Kids are like a little gift from God is what they are. They are just wonderful little creatures that God gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where y'all from? Arkansas? Okay. <laughs> There's some mints in the basket. Grab a handful, you circus freaks. Go ahead. <laughs> so, hey, we are, we are great. Even if you are from Arkansas, we are so grateful that you are here today. So let's do this. Meet with me, if you would, back in John chapter 13. Back in John chapter 13, we find ourselves sitting at the very same table we did last week and in fact the very same table we will sit at for the next five chapters in the gospel of john five chapters mind you that contains teaching found in no other gospel not in matthew mark uh, nor luke i love the teachings we find here in the next few chapters now last week we uh, joined jesus and the disciples in an upper room as they celebrated the passover meal with each other and it was easy to see really quick in that room that room was filled with a whole lot of dirty feet and a lot of prideful hearts. We witnessed something incredible in that room. Jesus, the guest of honor, the promised Passover lamb himself, fully aware he was in the last few hours of his life, got up from the table, took off his outer garments, put on a towel, and washed his disciples' feet. Just unreal. I was reading the article, an article the other day about the events of John chapter 13, and, and I listened as this author, she'd write, and I love what she said. She said these words. She said, Jesus isn't saying here at the foot washing, love your family, love those who are good to you, love those who love you back, all of which are good things, by the way. Jesus is saying, kneel on the floor and wash the feet of your enemy, the one who has betrayed you, serve the one who has denied you, and love the one who has abandoned you. And that's good stuff right there. In fact, in John chapter 13, we find that Jesus washes the feet of that one. The one who not only betrayed him, the one who would deny him. And not just deny him and betray him, but the one who would abandon him. Really, Judas 
was a one-stop shop for all the bad things we see in John chapter 13. Last week we read some really concerning verses dealing with Judas. We find this in John 13 verse 2, that the evening meal was in progress and the devil, the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. The devil, Satan himself, not a devil or not a demon, but the man himself. Satan was on the job in Judas, like I mentioned last week for all our Star Wars fans, and he's already gone over to the dark side by this point. And what becomes clear is that Jesus isn't surprised by Judas's betrayal. We find this in John chapter 6. We studied this a couple months ago, that Jesus knew from the beginning those who were, who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. So let's sit back at the table, pick back up with the conversations between Jesus and his disciples as they try to figure out exactly who it is would betray Jesus. In verse 18, Jesus says to the guys, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those that I've chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. You see here, Jesus quotes what is Psalm 41 verse 9. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Psalm 41 9 in the Old Testament. You see, Judas' betrayal was seen and noted centuries before the Passover meal in the upper room. We see this, that as we see this betrayal and this scandal begin to open up, we recognize that Scripture itself pointed to Jesus. This betrayal by him, this Judas, that would betray Jesus, the most scandalous sin in all of history. Later on, Peter would say this at Pentecost. He'd say, brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. You see, we begin to see what this betrayal looks like. And so back to the table, verse 19, Jesus says this, I'm telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, speaking of Judas's betrayal, you will believe that I am who I am. It's almost like Jesus saying, hey Judas, hey Satan, I'm going to take this evil that you intended for me and I'm going to watch, just sit back and watch because I'm going to use it to reinforce the faith of my disciples that I am who I say I am. It reminds me of that great refrain from Joseph in the Old Testament back in Genesis chapter 50 who was betrayed by many but never betrayed by God and was able to say in chapter 50 verse 20 but as for you, Joseph would say to his betrayers, to his brothers, What you meant for evil against me, I want you to hear me, God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people that are alive. What you, the enemy, meant for evil, God's going to work it to the good. Hey, Judas, hey, Satan, what you meant for evil, God's going to work it for the good to save all people who will put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now, church, I don't know who plays the role of Judas in your life. I don't know who it is that has betrayed you, betrayed your trust, your love, your relationship. I don't know who it is that's out to hurt you. I don't know what the enemy altogether has planned for you. But I do know this. 
what the enemy means for evil, God will work it for the good of those of us who follow Jesus. Remember this about God's sovereignty. Even the people who betray you are part of the plan. Think of it. Jesus couldn't get to the cross without Judas. Even those who betray us are part of the plan. Well, back to the table in verse 20, we find Jesus saying, Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I ascend accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. But we find that Judas didn't accept Jesus. He rejected him. He betrayed him. Consider this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. We find Jesus describing the choosing of the 12 disciples and their names. And by the way, Judas makes the list. In verse 1, it tells us this, that Judas and the other disciples, that Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to kill and to heal every disease and every affliction. So Judas walked and he talked with Jesus. He heard his sermons, a recipient of his love, and he saw the miracles. He served and ministered alongside of Jesus for three years and took part in the working of those miracles according to Matthew chapter 10. He saw it all. But we are quickly reminded that seeing is not always believing. And all that time, Judas was lost and spiritually dead. You know what it is? He becomes a vivid illustration of what is described in Matthew chapter 7. Those described herein where it says, Many will say to me, Jesus said, In that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Let's stop there real quick. By the way, that's Judas's testimony. That's the testimony of many throughout the centuries and very likely the testimony of someone in here today and then we go to church and then I give then I serve verse 23 and then I will declare to them Jesus says I never knew you depart from me and what a sad day that didn't have to be for Judas, but was. But a day that doesn't have to be for you or for me. You see, the good news of the gospel is that our story doesn't have to end up like Judas's, like those of Matthew chapter 27. Then Jesus goes on at the table and he says this. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you, is going to betray me, troubled in spirit. Even though Jesus saw it coming, the betrayal of someone he loved hurt him deeply. Can I tell you the hard thing about betrayal? Is that betrayal never comes from your enemies. Think of that. Betrayal never comes from your enemies. Betrayal is only something that can come from someone you love, someone you trust, someone who means something to you. In life, we know this. People will claim to love you, but will turn their backs on you when it's no longer convenient for them. That is why we find comfort in promises of Scripture like that of Hebrews 13, 5, where the author of Hebrews reminds us this of God. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Promises like that are so sweet that Jesus is that friend that sticks closer to a brother. We find in Proverbs 18, 24. 
He sticks closer than a brother, but he also knows the sting of betrayal. That hurt him deeply. Now back to the table says this, his disciples began to stare at one another. At a loss of which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him at the table. Now remember this, we've already talked about this, but the disciple whom Jesus loved is the self-designation of John who writes the gospel. Remember this. This is not necessarily bragging rights here, but when you think of Jesus and how well he has loved you, how much he has forgiven you, I'm going to tell you, every one of us in Christ today man, can look at Jesus in our relationship with him and go, man, if he loves anybody, man, surely he loves me. And so John there, the self-designation, sitting next to Jesus, and Peter steps up and says this. He mentioned to John and said, hey, ask him which one he means. Uh, we got to figure this out. Who's going to betray him? Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, so one of whom I'm going to give this piece of bread when I've dipped it into the dish. And dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. It's scary. Now I want you to notice something here. Judas is sitting at a table with a lot of other people in Jesus. And yet he's close enough for Jesus to hand him a piece of bread. If you and I were to draw this scene out, we would probably take Judas and put him in some shadowy corner, right? That's where we kind of resign him to. But he's close enough to Jesus for Jesus to hand him the piece of bread. I was going to tell you, this shows something. That there was a closeness between Jesus and Judas. Which makes the betrayal all the more painful. And I, I don't have this in my notes, but I, I want to say something. Another name's brought up here, Simon. It's scary. That, that's Judas's daddy. There's two places in Scripture right here where he's mentioned and nowhere else in Scripture. In fact, there's no literature outside of the Bible from the time that ever mentions Simon, Judas' daddy. And yet he is the father of the son who betrayed Jesus. Hey, Dad, can I, can I just get your attention real quick? Be present, not absent with your children. Hey, don't sup out them knowing and loving and following after Jesus. Hey, Dad, don't sup that out to someone else. For far too long and for too many times, men, moms and women have, bear, have borne that burden to make sure that children know and love and follow after Jesus, and they've done so by themselves. Hey, dads, you can either be one of two people to your kids. You can be a Judas or you can be Jesus. You can be a Judas and you can betray the calling God has placed on your life as a dad to help your kids to know and love and follow after Jesus like you do, to invest your time, your energy, your effort into them. Or you can betray that and leave that up to somebody else in hopes they'll do it. Or you can be Jesus. And you can do everything you can. Your time, your energy, your effort, your love to make sure your kids follow Jesus just like you. Hey, dads, just real quick. Don't be a son. Don't be a Jesus. Be Jesus to your kids. You see, remember this about the greatest pains of betrayal. Judas sitting near Jesus. The greatest pains of betrayal come from those who are closest to us. Now, back at the table in verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, 
Satan entered. We can't just read past that. Satan now has a seat at the table. Satan now sits at the Passover meal. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, Judas? Hey, Satan, what you're about to do, you do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what he needed for the festival or give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Sure it was. Sure it was. I look at this verse and I go, who invited him? Who invited Satan to sit at the table in this Passover feast? And here's what I would argue. Satan was the honored guest of Judas. That Judas gave him a seat at the table. Now, a question arises from the text with Old Testament scripture pointing to Judas as the betrayer, with Satan prompting him and then ultimately entering him or possessing him. Was Judas just a pawn of Satan or was he a willing participant? I I want you to hear me, church. Judas was not innocent. You see, all the devil had to do was to use Judas's sinful passions to do what he wanted with him. You see, long before Judas gave Satan a seat at this Passover meal table, Judas had given Satan a seat at the table of his life and his heart through his sin. You might say, well, Anthony, what sin are you talking about? Let me take you back to a couple weeks ago. Mary has poured this expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. Judas gets mad, calls her out because he wants to sell the stuff so he could get his cut. Jesus then calls Judas out and says, he did not say this because, or John gives us this little inscription here, that he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because Judas was a thief, a keeper of the money back. He used it to help himself to what was put into it. And you begin to look at a text like that and you go, wait a second. This is one of the most damning indictments of Judas found in all of the Bible. And we remember that Judas didn't want Jesus. He used Jesus to get what he wanted, and that was money. Remember what Peter would write about the devil in 1 Peter 5, 8. We'll come back to this verse later on. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I want you to hear me. The devil found easy prey in a lost man by the name of Judas who just happened to be close to Jesus in proximity. Paul would tell the church in Ephesians 4, 27, watch this, and give no opportunity to the devil. That old roaring lion, the devil, pounced on the opportunity. Judas' sinful passions afforded him. So no, Judas was not innocent. He was a willing participant. Participant, you don't believe me? Why don't you ask Judas, who said this in Matthew chapter 27, verse 4, his own indictment, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Hey, notice what he didn't say. I have sinned, and the devil made me do it. That's what he didn't say. I betrayed Jesus, and the devil made me do it. I, Judas, betrayed Jesus. Hey, remember the hard thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies. 
It always comes from someone close to you like Judas. Later we learn Judas led authorities into Gethsemane where Jesus was praying and Matthew 26, 48 tells us that Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss, a common greeting in that day between friends. Judas' kiss sealed Jesus' fate. Many marriages in this room have felt the kiss of betrayal. Many relationships represented here today have known the devastation from that very kiss of betrayal. And hey, Judas, how much was that kiss worth to you, buddy? Well, Matthew 26, 15 would tell us about 30 pieces of silver near $1,000 in today's money. Hey, can I ask you a question, church? How much would you betray Jesus for? Who or what would you betray Jesus for? If you as a believer are able to answer that question and you know the answer to that question, can I just challenge you, get to the cross? Some of you have weighed that. Man, I'll follow Jesus, but if this or if that person, who or what would you betray Jesus or you might say, I'd, I'd never betray Jesus. I'd never give Satan a, a seat at the table like that. And then we realize that our unrepentant sin is an act of betrayal against our Jesus. Our unrepentant sin gives Satan a seat at the table in our lives. Now listen to me, Satan cannot possess a believer like he did the unbeliever Judas. Yet, while Satan cannot possess us, he can oppress us. And here's what I mean by oppression and influence. You ready? It involves a demon or the devil himself attacking a person spiritually and or encouraging them into a sinful behavior. Can I tell you something about our sin, guys? Our sin that we flirt with, our sin that we make light of, our sin that we don't think so bad in comparison to other people's sin. Our sin and our selfishness is an open door for such oppression. It betrays Jesus and it gives our enemy a seat at our table. Ephesians reminds us this in Ephesians 6, 12, where our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're reminded of the battle before us, and so the question I ask in the text today is how is it that you and I can pull out the chair from underneath that old devil refusing him and our sin, a seat at the table. Well, here's a couple of ways that kind of hit me. That as we look at it right here, oh, this is a little out of line, but watch this, you ready? Number one, don't give the devil an inch. Because what will he take? A mile. Hey, don't give him an inch in your life because ask Judas. Then he's going to take a mile. Meaning this, we must repent of our sin. I said this a few weeks ago, 
Man, we hear the churches all the time talking about that what America needs is revival. Now listen to me. You know what we need more than revival? That is repentance of sin. And not just everybody else's sin, but our sin. Don't give the devil an inch. Judas' unrepentant sin played right into the hands of the devil. So does our unrepentant sin that gives the devil a seat at the table in our lives. Remember this, and I'll have to backtrack a little bit. Here, watch this in 1 Peter 5. We've already read this. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And you know what Peter writes? Resist him. Resist him. Watch what James would teach us in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. You know what? I'm convinced the devil isn't always looking for a fight. He's looking for a Judas. There's no fight at all. Guys, don't give that old devil an inch. As a believer, the only power that Satan himself has over you is the power you give him in your sin. It's the only power he has over us. So I resist and I refuse to let him have a seat at my table. I'm not going to give him an inch. Here's something else I'm convinced of, man. How do we pull that chair out from underneath that old devil? Refusing our sin and him, a seat at the table. You ready? No days off. Man, this gets us in trouble. Man, no days off from following after Jesus. No days off where we don't, as Ephesians 6.11 tells us, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I'm going to tell you something. You take a day off, he knows it. He'll take advantage of it. You do the opposite of Ephesians 4.27, you give him the opportunity. The opportunity to sit at your table. There are no days off. Ephesians 6, 16, in just a few verses, reminds us, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Church, you ready? You've got to stay in the Word of God. You've got to continue to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. You've got to glorify the Son of God in your life every day. There are no days off. You want to take a day off from following Jesus? You might as well pull out the chair and invite an enemy to sit with you. Refuse. Resist that old devil. You're not going to have a seat at my table. Here's, here's the last thing that and I thought of. You do not belong to your sin or to Satan anymore. Watch this. How do you pull the seat out from underneath Satan from your sin? Remember, you don't belong to your sin or to Satan anymore. Watch this in Ephesians 2. I love this text. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which, watch this, you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. By the way, we're talking about the enemy. We're talking about Satan. These are some of his titles. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us have lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. 
you, you don't belong to your sin anymore. You don't belong to Satan anymore. Don't give him a seat at your table. Don't allow him to sit there. Don't allow him to oppress you, to influence you. Resist him and refuse him that seat at the table. Remember, the, one of the very reasons Jesus came in 1 John 3 eight, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Watch this, this wonderful promise, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember, you're, you don't belong to your sin. You don't belong to Satan anymore. I want you to hear me as a believer. There is no such thing, and I want you to hear, there is no such thing as the devil made me do it. No. There is such a thing as I betrayed Jesus with my sin. I betrayed him. It's not somebody else's fault. It's mine. The devil didn't make me do it. I chose to betray him with my sin. And you can go there. Or you can be the one who chooses to honor him, to serve him, and to sacrifice your very life for him. Remember this. As a believer, the devil, the only power he has over you is what you give him. So don't give him a seat at your table anymore. When did you start giving in that seat? What was the sin? Who was the person? When did the betrayal begin, believer? Was it God's design with marriage and instead of and honoring and celebrating God's design of marriage, you decided to live with someone before that? You decided to enjoy sex outside of God's design? Before that, and all of a sudden, the betrayal begins? Did it begin by betraying your spouse with a kiss from another? Where does he have a seat at the table? Did you give him that seat when you started on your phone or on a screen? looking at things you know you shouldn't look at and believing you do so in secret so nobody gets hurt and all the while the enemy knows it and he's sitting right there at the table with you. When did the betrayal begin? With an addiction. And I can handle that drink. I can, I can handle this drug and now you find yourself being destroyed by it. Who, what, when did that betrayal begin for you? This is a famous painting of the death of Julius Caesar. It was painted back in the 1800s, early 1800s. Uh, William Shakespeare made Julius Caesar's death um, a thing to talk about. The most fascinating character isn't the power-hungry Caesar 
in, in Shakespeare's play. The trusted friend, Brutus. Marcus Junius Brutus was a real person, a, a Roman statesman who was torn between his loyalty to Caesar on one hand and also his loyalty to the Roman Republic. Ultimately, Brutus saw Caesar's tyranny as the greatest threat to Rome. And so with co-conspirators like Gaius Cassius and others, they instigated a Senate plot to kill the Roman Caesar, Julius Caesar himself. Caesar's famous last words in the play uttered in disbelief as Brutus plunges the final dagger into the Roman dictator was simply this, et tu brute. In English, you know what this is? You to Brutus? Et tu brute. You too, Brutus? You betray me too? This line in this scene has become synonymous with the betrayal, the ultimate betrayal of a friend. I wonder how many times Jesus has had to say to me, et tu, Anthony? You too, Anthony? You betray me? your sin so as much as I love to preach against Judas as much as sometimes I love to fight the guy I wonder how many times my sin has brought on that familiar chorus and refrain you too Anthony so I sit back from this text and I wrote this out a little bit I got to thinking no no not me I'm going to sit close to Jesus and I'm going to stay close to Jesus. I'm not going to give the devil an inch and I'm not taking any days off. I'm going to sit close to and I'm going to stay close to Jesus for I belong to Jesus. I no longer belong to my sin. I no longer belong to Satan. I am His. And so today, Who or what is the betrayal? When did you pull out that seat and let the enemy have a seat at your table? Anthony, what's the challenge today? You ready, church? To repent of our sin. To repent of our betrayal against Jesus. And yes, believers can betray him through our sin. My challenge is to you is stop giving him an inch. Stop taking days off. And remember you belong to Jesus. Not to your sin, not to your addiction, not to betrayal. You belong to him. So quit giving the enemy a seat at the table. C.T. Studd, I, I use this quote every year. But again, he's a pastor. Pastor Studd, I love it. Um, he said this. One time he said, when I die, I pray that all of hell will rejoice that I'm out of the fight. You think it's time you start getting in the fight? We'll start by pulling out that chair from underneath that enemy. 
instead of betraying Jesus. Let's walk with him. Let's be faithful to him. I'm going to give you the devil an inch. He'll take a mile. You and I have got to come to the place where we stop letting him have that seat at the table. Maybe that begins today. For you and for me. Let's pray together, can we? And as we pray, I've got to ask you where? Where is the betrayal in your heart, Christian? Now, some of y'all are sitting there going, I'm good. Can you preach next Sunday? Because I'm not always good. There are struggles at times. Who or what has led to the betrayal of Jesus in your life? When did you let the enemy sit down and take a seat at your table? Here's the deal. I don't have to go through a litany of various sins and things like that because I'm convinced that if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. And right now, he's doing all. He's doing all the work. He's highlighting those areas where you have betrayed the Lord because of sin. And I wonder if right now where you are, you call it out and you just go, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my betrayal. 1 John 1, 9 says that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hear me, church, you ready? That word confesses is we see our sin as God sees it. That doesn't mean we try to downplay it. We don't try to excuse it. We don't even come up with the excuse the devil made me do it. No, we own it. We see it for what it is. We see the betrayal inherent in it. Just go. Sorry. Forgive me. Speaking about grace, how good is he that he forgives us and he not only forgives us for our betrayal, the Bible says he cleans us up. As if it were not enough, he just forgives us. He cleans us up. And so Christians all across this room, why not just call it out to him? Seek his forgiveness. Let him clean you up. As Christians are praying, I I wonder if there's someone here who you're concerned that Matthew chapter 7 might be your story. Remember the ones who'd say, hey, didn't I go to church? Didn't I serve? Didn't I say I loved you? And then Jesus looks at him and says, and I don't know you. Depart from me. I never knew you. The glory of the gospel is that doesn't have to be your story. That Jesus can save you today. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he emptied the grave. So that through his death you could be made alive. And because Jesus is alive, We are alive in Christ today. If you are here and you are not certain that you are in Christ, why not right now in this moment cry out for him to save you? 
pray something like this, understanding a prayer doesn't save us. But the act of placing our faith and trust in Jesus and following him does. Maybe pray something like this from your heart to his. Dear Jesus, I am sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Please save me. I place my faith and my trust in Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for rising again. I give you my life. Would you help me turn from my sin and myself? Jesus, I am yours. And when nobody looking, and with the promise of I'm not going to embarrass you or come to you, hey, if you prayed with me, can I ask you just to do one thing? Would you just look up here for a moment? Hey, you prayed that with surrender all. I see you. I see you, buddy. Somebody else is me. I see you. Somebody else is me. I prayed that with Savior. Give me just a moment just to look at every face. I prayed that with all. To thee, it Somebody else, it's me. I Somebody else, it's me. I surrender Just every face that I can. I surrender We celebrate God is to you have to understand this is not the end. It is just the beginning. Whether you're talking at church home or you're visiting today, we are bought into helping you take some next steps of faith. There's going to be a number on the screen. You can text your name to that number. And man, we're going to call you this week and pray with you and celebrate with you. There's a next steps tent right out in the lobby. Stop by there. Let them know you prayed with me. They have a Bible for you, resources for you. They're going to get your name and number. And we're going to call you this week. We're going to celebrate with you. Oh, how thankful we are of what Jesus is doing. Hey, church, can I, uh, can I get you to look up here? This wasn't on our plan for today's service. But I wonder if for the next two minutes, this song has a simple refrain that Zach's playing. I surrender all. The enemy will never have a seat at the table we surrender it all to him we surrender all that means there's no days off we surrender all to Jesus I wonder today as we close our service if I could just invite you to stand and we could sing this as our prayer and our offering to Jesus exactly this I surrender that's as simple as the refrain is I surrender and I surrender not some but all all to thee and all to thee my blessed Savior I oh let's sing that again this is our prayer and this is the worship of our heart today I surrender I surrender surrender all, all to and all 
Blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Thee, and all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.